Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. And you know what that means, Gabe. It's time to celebrate our... Kiss me Uh, I mean, you know what this is. You're like, it just, it puts you in that moment every single time. I never hear this song on the radio. I never hear it in a playlist. I only ever hear this song when I'm watching this movie. And without watching it, Gabe, what are you picturing in your mind right now? Uh, I mean... I don't think I'm lining it up, but I just immediately start to see like flashes of imagery I know from the actual like I see like jungle and ah uh, gotcha helicopter okay. and yeah I'm not lining it up oh, okay because it it's a uh, it's right when the WB logo comes up the song starts and then they do mm. they do the the haircuts so this is when they're getting they're all getting the haircuts ladies Ooh. and gentlemen welcome to the 247th birthday episode. Of uh, pop culture hangfire. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our birthday, though, as a podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. Just our birthday it's just as a, Marines. Yeah, as Marines, yeah. Just uh, this is our our uh, birthday episode for the Marine Corps. As some of you may know from listening to fifty something odd episodes, Gabe and I have both served. We did not serve together, but we served. And as um. As most of you know, uh, and you don't know, there's just a, a brotherhood that lives with you until you die. And every year, Gabe and I uh, hang out, talk. It used to be physical, but now it's, you know, over the interwebs. Um, but yeah. Just as emotional, though. Oh, just as emotional, considering we make it happen even on a work day. Like, it's just, it's a thing. Like, we could have done this a week ago, but no, we're not. We're not those guys. Wouldn't have been the birthday a week ago. Would not have been the birthday a week ago. Um, Gabe, do you have any rituals that that you do for uh, for the Marine Corps birthday besides, you know, all the uh, all the uh, social media stuff that probably comes up? Well, I uh, generally, if it's a, just a normal normal birthday, as soon as I'm up, I got to message everybody. I know I go down the list and make sure to say happy birthday to everybody, and. Uh, I've generally made plans. Most years I go out. Um, we have a local bar out here that's a marine bar. Leatherneck. And, you know, the Leatherneck of Las Vegas. And they make uh, they make a big uh, a big party out of it. Yeah, I know. I used to love going there. So that's usually what, if I'm not doing that or if there's some conflict, like um, if it's too, too uh busy of work or whatever, I, I will at least make sure that I put on the right attire. I'm wearing a St. Mattis t-shirt in honor of General Mattis. And uh, I make it a point to toast to the health of the Marine Corps and to all my fellow Marines. Here, here. I am also toasting. <laughs> Tink. I am... Uh, I, I have... Um... Uh, I'm starting slow because I will catch up later. I unfortunately could not break away from work uh, so as much. So I actually have still one. I need to be coherent for the next one is all I'm saying. But after that, look out, people. I've got bacon that's that's been marinating. And oh, yeah. And whiskey. And just love. Just a lot of love, Gabe. 
Um, very similar to you, I definitely like am looking forward to the day. I make sure that I give myself the time when I can, like to block off and take a half a day at least. I um I then much like you, I either start getting messages or I start sending messages to certain people. Ever since I've been using social media, because I've been using social media now maybe three years, I know it's fucking old. I definitely do a social media post. I do a little reminiscing, obviously, a little writing. I visit, uh, and I revisit a few movies throughout the day. Even if I can't hear them, they're playing in the background. For example, today I was reminded of um, a Full Metal Jacket, so I ended up uh, I ended up watching a documentary about the making of it, and then watched the movie right afterwards. And it's just, it's it like. I don't know what it is like like about it because I think I think maybe and maybe you 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 know you know we can we can talk about this quickly. So it's again we were not in Vietnam, right? Right. So we can't connect to that. But something that and and I think something that Stanley Kubrick did really well was first the look of it, right? You get the feel for it. But he didn't concentrate on the war a hundred percent. He concentrated on on the characters, but more importantly, the transition of the shared experience. Exactly, and you get that from that movie. You get an experience, as opposed to and 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 we're going to talk about war movies in a bit. Um, but but how and and I think it's going to be very much like the Halloween horror movies. Like when you think about it in a different mindset, is it a war movie? Not not Full Metal Jacket, but the movies that we're going to talk about. Or is it a movie that happens to to have a character inside a war, and and I think this is why this movie connects with Marines so well, because it isn't about a Marine in war, it's about the transition of being a civilian going through boot camp and then having having to happen to go to war, and I think that that's why it connects because so many Marines like this movie. Like like Apocalypse Now is a fantastic movie, but I don't hear a lot of Marines talking about Apocalypse Now. A lot of the other movies. Something about this specific movie, and I think it has to be that that the way he captured the transition of going from better than anything else, better than know, any other movie, um, because you definitely feel and understand what's happening, and you connect to it because you're like, I went through that transition, I understand that transition, and he nailed it perfectly. He really did. Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, I mean, acting was great, but but Ermi, there is. That magic that that man has, he does transport you there. If you've been in, he transports you there. The film does a good job throughout the entire thing where you're already feeling like you're there and you're feeling the transition, but he solidifies it with his performance. Yeah, it's it's peerless. And and they were talking in the documentary, and I'm sure you know about this one, but they were talking about how, how he was brought in as a military consultant to kind of like help everybody. And that... Um, they already had to hired somebody for the drill instructor role, but I guess he went and in, into in, in wardrobe and put on the DI suit and uniform, and and even he himself, they were like he transformed into another person, like like and, you know, and obviously because he was a drill instructor in his past, like it, it was a, it was a switch that he could turn on, and it was just you know like it's just a perfect performance. It really is. It's almost like have you ever seen the wrestler with Mickey Rourke? Who I haven't. But I've heard of it. So that's the movie that put him back on the map. That's the movie yeah. that got him like, 
But it was one of those films where like no one else could have done that role because the role is so closely connected to him and what he yeah. was going through that you're like, yeah, no, no one else could have done that role, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, part of my ritual is watching some old movies and, and you know, Full Metal Jacket was definitely on my list today as well as the documentary. Some 1970s Paris Island uh, YouTube video from, from the experience of, you know, Marines and then drill instructors in the 80s just went down the rabbit hole of, of stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's always just a good time. It really is. It's a great time to reminisce. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's it. What's the best way to put it? Right? It's it's one of those things that, like, if we were on base, right, it, the entire world would be this today, you know. But when you're out and you share this with somebody, it feels different. Like. It's not like somebody, and you know, somebody can can send you a message and be like, hey, you know, happy birthday, Marines. And you're like, thanks. But when you have this, like you and I, it's different. Like we're in our little bubble right now. And, and, and like the rest of the world will never know what that little bubble is. But it just feels good to be in this bubble. It's just weird. It's weird. Yeah, no, I get it. It's, a, it's the difference between being immersed in that world because everybody around you is part of it and between connecting with someone to create that, uh, to create that like, moment outside in when when everything else is happening around that isn't part of it yes i think you said it better than me obviously um so yes like we mentioned the 247th birthday of the marine corps established in 1775 in tons tavern philadelphia and uh the rest is history that's all i got <laughs> So, as we go into the episode, what I asked Gabe to do was, hey, Gabe, why don't you, uh, why don't we talk war movies? Come up with a list of the ones that resonate with you, and, um, and we'll go from there. And as I made my own list, by the way, I started to realize, oh, they actually fall into, like, weird categories to me, right? So there's the newer ones. There's the classics, like we were just talking about, Full Metal Jacket. And then I have a section called Other, where it's a war movie but I don't necessarily think of it as a war movie, you know, and like an example of this, like a simple example, right? Like Schindler's List, you know, like uh, We Were Soldiers. I don't know why I think of, I think of like Mel Gibson, like like The Patriot, The Patriot, right? Braveheart. These are actually war movies, technically. We're just, it's just that we're, we're are. concentrating on one person's experience. Um, and then like the, the, the ones that kind of have like a, a less than serious tone like mash mash the original mash war movie korean war mm -hmm. the great escape you know like it's just it's a light-hearted version of a war movie so to me it doesn't quite feel like a war movie it just feels like a movie about these guys hanging out in a concentration camp or pow camp you know <laughs> like i love the the classic movie from here to eternity yeah it's a Oh, phenomenal movie. Burt, Burt Lancaster is, is it's one of his greatest performances. That is a legitimate war movie, but it just, it's a romance story on Camp Pendleton while the war is happening. Like, it just so happens to be that. But yeah, so I, I, I wanted to clarify, like, there are war movies that I don't think feel like war movies because of how they're treated in the movie itself. I had that disconnect when reading through. I found a list of, like, top 100 uh, and you know there's a bunch on there that i was like oh yeah that this is during a war you know <laughs> and like right forgot casablanca 
is on there. It's, yeah, that's right. That was the Nazis. And yeah. I was just like, don't think of that as a war movie, right? And that's not doesn't doesn't strike. But obviously, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then before we go into into movies, I wanted to quickly talk about TV shows because this is something that again with with and and it's something we'll talk about some of the newer war movies. But this is something that that can't happen the way it used to, you know? Because you, you remember like in the 60s, 70s, 50s, it was action, it was combat, it was Hogan's Heroes. Like, war was in your face all the time. And then there wasn't much. And then you had like B- Band of Brothers, right? You had like the Pacific, uh, Generation Kill, I think is one of my favorite. And that's a, that's a miniseries. Um mash technically <laughs> again the tv again show. <laughs> yeah but they did their best to like kind of be in their own bubble for that specifically you know yeah it's war adjacent because i think it's difficult to do a war tv show you know yeah you can have a war happening in a tv show like the show rome i think it's a that's one of that's a fantastic show that it happens to be about soldiers in the roman army during you know the time of of, of caesar but you concentrate on the characters more and less about the war that they're going through, that they're actually participating in. So I just yeah. wanted to give a shout out to TV shows because they have tried. It's just, it's not something you can do for more than a season or two. <laughs> right. Which is the difference. Again, I grew up watching combat, the rap patrol, rap patrol. Yes. And like those like combat and the rap patrol, both were pretty long combat. Very long. I want to say had a lot of episodes and uh, yeah, that was, you know, that fit, more of the zeitgeist of the time you know there was it was more recent all right so let's let's talk let's talk classics first what uh what classics do you normally gravitate to when you think of war movies so i'm gonna go pretty far back i don't know if this is actually this is my oldest oldest one that i picked i think uh sergeant york (sighs) i did not put that on my list because i've seen it but never like like the DI for me like it's not a war movie but it's preparing marines to go into war. But yes, tell me about Sergeant York because I'm I'm not that familiar with it. So that's one I got exposed to at a pretty young age, and it does spend a lot of time not in combat in conflict, but it talks a lot about the conflict, right? Because the idea is it's about Sergeant York who was a conscientious objector who did not want to go because he didn't believe in killing people. Hexar Ridge, right, I think is one of the current ones that did something similar. Yeah. And ultimately, like it, he spends most of the movie kind of weighing his morals against what's happening in the world. And like his position is finally swayed that like even though he does not believe in this, it's important to do your part. He just wants to do it in a way that best fits his morals. So when he went and fought, and this was in uh, World War One. He uh, he took a lot of prisoners like he famously took like some absurd number. Like he was a he was a, a country boy, like a hunter. And he I he think was a good shot. I think Hexar Ridge was a remake of that then. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, with the Spider-Man kid, uh, the Andrew Garfield. I have not seen the new. That's one I think I, I took note of as I took note of some of the newer ones that I have not seen. OK. Um, OK. And I made so a list Sar- for later. So but Sergeant yeah. York. But yeah. So Sergeant York is just, you know, and it's just it, it was you know, uh, a simpler time, right? You go back when, you know, when evil was, was easy because it was, you know, Nazi, you know, and fascist Germany. And, you know, nobody felt bad about that. You and here you have somebody exemplifying not killing and, and but still taking part. Can I tell you that my first exposure to a war movie was in, was in ele- uh, junior high in a history class where we watched Glory? <laughs> 
And that movie stuck with me, dude. Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick. I mean, like, that is a hell of a war movie. But that was my first war movie that I can remember distinctly. Like, this is a war movie. Okay, so Sergeant New York, what else you got? Uh, I remember, I, I think, I can't, I'm not sure if I saw this one earlier in my life or not, but uh, uh, The Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen, that's on my list too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So not only, so I, another thing I took note of, just kind of curiosity, because I didn't ever really look these up before. So Sergeant York got an 88 Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. With an 87 uh, audience score. So That's pretty damn uh, good. Highly regarded. Apparently. Um, Dirty Dirty Dozen's also up there with an 81% Rotten Tomatoes and a 90% audience score. And it, this is a more like, it was a grittier, more uh, entertaining yes. uh, movie, right? They're putting together the the crew to do the job. They need to do a behind enemy lines job and you need all the different specialists. Yep. The to, classic, classic. Uh... To, yep. It's a classic, you know, it's just a, it's just an excuse to get all these all-star cast together. To, to yeah, that's off, right. Because that was character. was was that was that like um, and I want to make sure I quote it. Was that the one with like Terry uh, Telly Savalas and um, and uh, like Don Rickles and Clint Eastwood, or am I thinking of the? No, yeah, that is the Dirty Dozen, right? Let me look up the cast here because it does a lot of Lee Marvin, Lee, of Charles Bronson, Charles Bronson. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Telly Savalas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's it was a star-studded. It's a fantastic movie. Yep, Donald Sutherland. Oh, that's right. He is in the yeah, yeah. Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, no, that movie's yeah, no. I, again, I I wanted to make sure it was the same one. Yeah, because I yeah. I I wrote it down without even looking it up because I'm like, no, I remember this was a fantastic film. Okay, but uh, but yeah, that was one that stuck with me because I remember seeing it as a kid, and I think I saw it at like my aunt's house initially, initially, and maybe I wasn't supposed to. Like perhaps it was a little bit too uh violent but i saw it it stuck of course i loved it because i was you know I'm a, i was a little boy and who doesn't but um but yeah I, I, that's one that i have revisited i haven't super recently but i definitely made sure to go back and watch that one nice what else you got uh uh sands of iwo jima which i saw a lot of john wayne movies as a kid i and imagine this was sort of just john wayne in the pacific so <laughs> Really, he didn't change much to be no, he did the not. character. No, he did not. And it's it's sort of just him in the different setting. And but like that was one of the earliest like Marine specific movies, even if it wasn't the greatest Marine storytelling. Like it just kind of was a generic story. Interestingly, it only has 10 reviews. I checked this because it has 100 percent Rotten Tomato. It only has 10 reviews, really? 10 of the professional, and then the audience score is 75. Okay. Because um, I was like, it got 100. I was like, it. I don't think it's good enough to get a, a yeah, 100. No, no, no. It is not a good enough, but I saw it early on, long before I knew I'd be a Marine. And because it was about Iwo Jima, which is such a pivotal, you mm -hmm. know, and, and uh, it's just a moment in history that is, you know... Everybody knows that image. No, no, if they don't know anything else about the Marine Corps, they know the flag raising. And so it's iconic. And that was like my earliest exposure to that. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I think I have one more that's old. And it's another one that kind of I saw like when I was going through movies, I saw and I was like, you know what? It's a war movie, but I didn't see it as a, a war movie because it was the 
prisoners of war and it was bridge over the river Kwai. Okay. Which I've mentioned before. Yep. On the podcast. Um, again, all-star cast rotten tomato, 96% with an audience score of 93. And it, they're prisoners that are being forced to do labor and, uh, rebelling as much as they can without endangering their fellow man. Um, another all-star cast. Um, it's, uh, Again, I I didn't jump out to me as a war movie, but it was one I saw real young, and that stuck with me because of uh, uh, the imagery in it. I uh, I have I have something similar to that where it didn't stick out as a war movie because I watched it as a teenager, but then later on I was like, oh, this is like epitome of war, the Deer Hunter. That's a classic for me. Where where like you for like when I think of that movie, right? I think of I think of like the iconic, you know, uh, Russian roulette scene. And, but that is a very small part of that film. The rest of that film mm-hmm. is, is coming back home after having survived something like that. And, and, and the toll it takes on you and your family and every, and your friends and everything. Um, so that was one of the first movies where, where I remember watching it and then rewatching it and rewatching. And I was like, Oh, this this I can connect with because in my twenties I was like I can connect with this coming back home and 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 it's not the same. It isn't the happy go lucky couples and and things that we used to do as kids in high school. Um, the world is different to me now, and I think that Deer Hunter uh, is one of those films. And it's, I mean, Robert De Niro, uh, Christopher Walken. It's oh, just an insane movie. Uh, so for me, that's on my list of like kind of like you said like. It, yeah, it it didn't feel like it, and then you you realize, oh no, this is this is exactly what that is. Yeah, so I have that one. I have Deer Hunter. I have obviously uh, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon. To me, I think it's a classic, classic film. I think it's fantastic. Uh, William Defoe and Tom Berenger outshine uh, the main character of Charlie Sheen. Uh, they're phenomenal actors. Um, I have Das Boot. Have you ever seen Das Boot? That's on my list too. Okay. Because I think that's a really, really great film and yeah. great acting, even though it's about the Germans and trying to sink our ships. But it's it's just a, a really great film about the 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 tension of war, you know, the the and it because it, it, it closely resembles right. So so my experience in, in the Corps is being a mortar man, where you it's you and six people, you are responsible for this gun, like this cruiser weapon. So you're the entire team, you know, you have your gunner, your a gunner, your squad leader and your ammo man. And that's it. Like if one of you fucks up, you all suffer. So imagine that, but the size of a submarine and it's, it's the exact yeah, same equivalent like, in a tin can under the water. Exactly. So I connected with that film and I think I, th- so I have that one as one of my, one of my classes. Yeah. Another highly regarded film as well with a Rotten Tomatoes of 98% and an audience score of 96 Nice. And they did a TV show of that. And they did a, re- well, you, you haul like something, something with like Bon Jovi in it. I don't know. It was dumb. Uh, but they did do a TV show, I believe, or a mini series of, of, of uh, Das Boot. Um, I've only seen the original. So here's two controversial ones that I'm going to throw as classics, just because of how they've become, I think, to me, classics. I, got, I have Black Hawk Down and Saving Private Ryan. Okay, I have those both on my list in the slightly above, later in the list past older movies, but yes, I mean they're they've 
I mean, okay, well, look at the the years that they came out, right? It's 2001 and 98. Like, at that point, like, it feels like yesterday for us. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Holy shit. But, but that's far enough back now, you know, 21 plus years back. You could have somebody who was born when one came out that's old enough to drink now. You so, know, holy crap, the, the way you said that. Yeah. That, uh, I, okay, look, the the nerd in me is like, I'm writing this down because this is going to motivate me to write something later. But that feels, you know, close to us. But it's 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 a lifetime away for some people. Because you're right. Like, I remember watching Black Hawk Down in the theater. Like, I remember it being relevant because the story had happened in the 90s. You know, like, it was a current story. That movie to me also, that was the movie I watched. I saw it in theaters three times. Oh, wow. And I own the special box edition of it. And I watched that movie a lot because that was that hit right close before. That was just five years before I enlisted. Oh. So I'm a, you know, a 13-year-old who already in my mind has an idea of where I'm headed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this and trying to internalize, like, ideas of, like, is this something that I'm prepared to do like what if this like you know i'm trying to like figure like it it was very like impactful to me at that point um because it was it was one of the better portrayals of some of the consequences right if you look at earlier stuff and other than heroic deaths there's a lot of it's it's almost consequence free a lot of the older movies right they glorify which again it's entertainment nothing wrong with that but as someone who was at some, in some way mentally trying to prepare for like, well, what if I'm what if I'm going to do this thing to see some more of the consequence and the and you know a peek at the the horror of conflict, and um, you, it did a good job. And you know what's funny? Like me joining in '98, I didn't have any of that because we were six years away from the first Gulf War. We weren't glorifying war, but we weren't like you know villainizing it either. So like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, uh, we were just talking about the Patriot, like it technically was making it entertainment. So like, I didn't think of it that way, but I'm in and then Jarhead comes out, Jarhead happens. And then that becomes my block hog down for you where I'm like, oh, this is my experience. This is me. You know, like that, that movie that I relate to. And I consider that a newer film, even though it came out, you know, a couple years after these two. Interestingly, so the Rotten Tomatoes for Black Hawk Down is seventy-seven percent, which as a as a main score, that seems that's too low for me. The audience score is eighty-eight, and that seems about right. That seems about like, right. To it me, is. Yeah. I mean, I think it does a very good job. A lot of again, another star-studded cast, great acting. Actually, um, um, yeah, not not to like go past it. You're, actually, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing that makes that movie, I think, for me, um, connect as an audience. Right, if you watch that movie. Every one of those actors committed to that film. Everyone has a high and tight, dude. You have you have Ewan McGregor in that film. You have Orlando Bloom in that film. You have Tom Sizemore in that film. You have Eric Bana in that film. They all committed to that role. They 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 have shaved their heads. There are zeros or ones on top. There are high and tights. These dudes look like boots. Like it is not a joke. Like they 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 did it correctly. And it's one of those films that I can watch. And I'm like, no, this is. This is fairly accurate to what actually happens. You're absolutely right. I think that makes sense where the audience can say, no, this this is actually very accurate. Well, and, and I'll use a term that I've loved using for many years, 
where an armchair warrior can go into their typewriter or computer and be like, mm, well, technically, no, no, go fuck yourself. So yeah, I think that the, uh, that yes, 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 you're right. Your critics should be a little bit higher if they had served. <laughs> if they understood what was going on. Um, uh, also, as you already mentioned it, so Saving Private Ryan, it, it kind of, I think it changed the landscape for war movies. Because if you look again, like when that hit in 98, I don't think there'd been a lot like there was a definite lull prior. Obviously, like the, you, you know, there's you can quick Google search and there's plenty of stories of like it being screened for veterans of World War II and them just, you know, all of the emotions. Like some of them couldn't watch it, some of them just openly wept. Like it, it captured things that, again, while still being an an, an entertaining movie, it captured a lot more of the accuracy of the events. You know that that Omaha Beach oh, scene yeah. in it is just on point like people that were there said like yeah so it was a uh, um it was it changed the way that people looked at war movies i think and again another ensemble cast right like it, it's but lesser known right because you have you have i mean you have your big ones right you have your tom hanks but if you look at the list of people in that movie you have barry pepper you have vin diesel you have matt damon like it, but like in 98. In 98, before they were anybody. Like this is a two years before Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, no, yeah. I think the, the, the other part of that film too is that if you think about it, right, uh, Medal of Honor, Valor, all those video games, they all end up looking like that movie. Like you can see the heavy influence that movie has on war paraphernalia going forward. All of the media ahead of it like it would come later yep impacted uh rotten tomato of 94 an audience score of 95 all justly deserved jesus i i am uh, yeah no that's that's the perfect score for that movie it's near perfect it it really is it's fantastic i always it's funny i always quote uh when my when people that i work with um when you know when they um when we when we talk about what's wrong with the company and what what's not you know like I, I, I always tell them, I said, look, I am not here to say what I, I what I feel about things. I am here to to complete what I've been asked to do and to show the best light of, you know, like what can I do as opposed to what the what can't be done. And, and I always say that to him. I said, look, you're never going to hear me bitch to you guys. I bitch up. I don't bitch down. <laughs> and, and I know, I know I stole that line from Tom Hanks in uh, in Saving Private Ryan. You know, it's like, no, no. Perfect. You guys don't need to hear my complaints. I need to hear your complaints. <laughs> um, do you have anything, any other classics or uh, or other before we move on to some of the newer stuff? Uh, the only other classic I put... Uh, or somewhere in the middle there was Good Morning Vietnam. I have that on my on my other, and I was like, it's interesting because yes, it's a it's a it's a movie during a war, but it's not even somebody in the service; it's somebody a civilian. And and the problem I think that I have with that film, when I, to consider it a war movie, yeah, is that it's it's um it's the armchair warrior <laughs> syndrome where. You can say a lot, but unless you're in it, 
I had to put it off to the side, but it's a stellar. It's Robin Williams. Oh, no, it's no. a stellar performance. It's a stellar performance, and it shows what was really, you know, like, yeah. it shows a different take. But, you know, no, you're absolutely right. I, I definitely, like, had it on my other, and I, I like, that was like. I didn't know how to bucket it, but I had yes, to put it on. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about something that we, we started to talk about, was what, which was, what was the last war movie that you saw? The most current war movie that you've seen? Uh, that's perfect because I think that's the last one on the, on the list I have of, uh, there's one in the middle there, but well, it was American Sniper. Ah, okay. 2014. Uh Um, and it took me a long time. I did not watch it in 2014. I had it like I got, it was gifted to me. Um, I think my mother might've given it to me. And so I had it and I had it sitting for a while and I, when you get into the more modern conflict ones, like it's easy to watch a World War II movie because there's enough separation, clearly defined, very black and white sort of conflict. The last time the world <laughs> agreed <laughs> on, yes, on, yes. on the global conflict <laughs> yes, yes, and where America came out looking real good for it. And so and I also know how this story ends Yeah, well, yeah. for Chris Kyle and it's awful. It so is. I was like, all right. So I had to be like mentally prepared for it. And I watched it. I cried a lot. Um, another movie that I think did a very good job on accuracy. Like, they paid a lot of attention. What's his name? That's the star. Oh, I can't um, think of it now. Bradley? Bradley Cooper? Yeah, Bradley Cooper, like, committed to the role. Gained, like, gained, like 20 or 30 pounds or something yep. of, like, not fat. Like, got <laughs> he bulked up for the role to portray Chris Kyle, who was a large, imposing man. Um. And again, they they did their best to accurately portray the equipment, the setting, the people involved, and um, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jarhead did that to me, where it was too close. So I am definitely on board with you. It took me a couple years, even after, because it's a Clint Eastwood film, which I would watch. Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood is almost a hundred. If he if they told me he was making a movie tomorrow, I would say, here's my money. Now, I will wait. I watched The Mule, okay? Trust me. I am a Clint Eastwood fan. But even this, I was like, it's it's too. it felt too close. And like you said, this is a real human being, and you know what happened. Yeah. It just, ugh, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, and I think uh, Jarhead did the same to me. And yes, I, I absolutely agree. This is one of those really, really great newer films. But it's just, it's it's a little too real, unfortunately. Yeah, so that was that was the most recent production film I think that I have seen. For um, me, it was 1917 back. <laughs> 1917, the film in from 2019. Um, I I really really enjoyed that film. I've seen it twice, uh, which is saying a lot for a movie that's you know two years old, <laughs> two three years old. It's a, it's a fantastic film. It's so well done. It and it, you know what it is too that I like about it, and I think it's a it's something that war movies have kind of gotten into after 2010, which was not uh, glorifying war, right? Mm-hmm. It shows you war. It shows you the good and the bad of war, right? Not the hero, not the we're always winning, not the no no. There's tragedy in war. It can be done gracefully and it can be done beautifully, like they did in this film. Um, but at the end of the day, people are still 
dying and people have died. And this movie's about World War One on the British yeah. side. So, but yeah, that was the last, the last n- newest of films that I watched. Um, I think next to that was Fury. Uh, with um, I think uh, about World War Two, about a tank team. And again, I connected. Didn't finish Fury. I watched part of it. I need to finish it. So I said, I'll tell you this. I watched that twice. Also, I have. I have less trouble with the war scenes than I do with the when they're not at war scene because again, yeah. again I connect to that. I connect to having seen it, not participated, having seen it, but what happens when you aren't being shot at and you aren't shooting back, but you have the upper hand on on a situation. I um those scenes are are they bother me because I'm like it because they're accurate. They're actually very true. A, a very yeah. a variation of them, right? Whatever they showed probably happened, but variations of that those things happened within the military. Right. It's it's human. It's human nature. It is. It is. You know. Extent. That's actually a perfect way to no, say. I get it. that. I think that's. Uh, I don't think I paused the movie in the middle of combat scenes. <laughs> I think I stopped in between. Because to me, that the the combat scenes those are exciting because it's strategy. Yeah. It's you, um, you know, besting your opponent, but in the other scenes where it's human, uh, with where it's questionable behavior by humans, mm-hmm. those are the ones I had the most trouble with. But because of the fact that I'm like, this is true. This is actually how humans are and how we react in situations like this. So, so yeah. So I've watched it twice, and I love the the action scenes. I love the battle scenes, but I, I definitely have trouble with the in between scenes. And you know what's funny? I was watching. I remember watching um, uh, Full Metal Jacket with somebody, and I think 20 minutes in, they left the room, could not watch it. A younger person, I was like, oh, these are funny to me, right? But to them, I was like, this is terrible. Like the way so This is horrible. Why would you do this? Yes, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, that's the equivalent of me. And what happened in Fury. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Not a problem. Well, here's the difference, I think, in part two, is like there's a perspective, too, of... And I'll never forget this. Like, So going through boot camp, right? Like, you get in it. In it, it's miserable, right? Like, it's, it's supposed to be. There's a lot of things that are designed to be miserable. Although, there's also an extreme amount of care put in that you get... A lot of nights where you get, actually, your eight hours of sleep. A lot of nights... You know, you're getting nutrition. Like you're, you're getting, getting a ton of sleep. I'm not. I'm not there's lie. so much care being done to do that, and so and it, all this extra effort is put in to make it miserable. On top of that, but your base needs are actually being met at a higher level, perhaps than you were getting previously as a teenager. Nice. That getting a good view of the shirt there. Oh, thanks. Sorry, I was I was looking at the thing. Um, yeah, no, that's you're absolutely right. There is a, a, an insane amount of care that we're okay. To prepare you to not be okay, <laughs> but you realize that in hindsight. Right? Oh so yeah, like, yeah. They're right at the end when suddenly you're treated like a human being by these people that have been tormenting you for a couple, like three months. It's a long time. You get to you get to like take some hindsight and realize that it was there was never any it was never personal. Like they're the first the first person to step up and shake your hand is the guy that was screaming in your face on day one. And tell you that they're proud of you and mean it. 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, at the end of the Crucible, um, definitely that moment when that guy who's been yelling at me for two and a half, two, yeah, two and a half, over over two and a half months, you know, let me be the first to call you a Marine. I'm like, uh, uh, thank you, Papa. <laughs> it is definitely a moment of like this. This this is what you were trying to do the entire time. And again, they've been doing it for so long, so they get it right. There is no mistake in how this is supposed to go, and they nail it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and so I, you're able to like look back and like, I I have zero criticism. I never saw anybody in a position of authority at that point of my time in the military take any liberties or do anything they shouldn't have done. They were all they were all extreme consummate professionals. So I will say this, like, they did some shit to us that, in retrospect, is funny, right? But you're some of right. it is funny. Yeah, but you're right, though. In the moment, it's a calculated step that they took, you know? And, and like, for example, like, kicking dirt in your face while you're doing push-ups <laughs> in the pit. Like, it's, it's funny now, and at the time, you're all like, this is what they do, but it was not over the over the line it was right just teetering you know that's something they did really well there was just enough where you were about to just call it and then they brought you right back and and that's i mean it's important you have to be like you you need to stress you need to take a human being and stress them out into a controlled environment to see if if when real stress happens what is the what is what is the result here what does this person do do yeah. they still listen? Do they still do what they're told? Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I think that's why I can understand somebody with no perspective on that, though, looking at that and going, this is awful. This is the worst thing you could do because I'm an extremely empathetic person, a very liberal minded person who cares about people and wants everyone to not have to go through that. Because, I mean, for no reason, why would you? But, yeah. Um. Do you see? I'm sorry, yeah. What is this? Extend, That's new. Free group calls have a limit of one hour. Enjoy calls with a Google one. That is that is interesting. Oh no! Is you have to be, switch platforms. Is this because uh, Elon Musk buy, bought Twitter? <laughs> yeah, they're, everyone's going to monetize now. It's an yeah. excuse. All right, apparently we got ten minutes, Gabe. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think the the only other movie I wanted to bring up that I've seen that is newer, and it's not a movie technically, it is a film. It's a it's a documentary called Restrepo. Have you seen that one? Restrepo? No, no, I know of it, and it was definitely made the the list of things. But like, it is it is a fantastic film. It is a fantastic, and and it's it's a film about a documentary about after I got out and the Afghan war started. Yeah. And it's about an outpost. In uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic film that really gives you insight on a war non-war scenario. <laughs> because technically, we're not a we weren't not a war with Afghanistan. <laughs> Just with the people who were some of the people who were in there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, no. So, uh, but any other films you want to bring up before we 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 call it? I know we're almost at time. So four films watched, Inglorious Bastards. I got it. I have that as a, as a newer, and I, and I was conflicted to mention that just because I'm like, it's not technically true. It's alternate history, <laughs> but it's a fulfilling fantasy because you get to see it Hitler is. get shot to pieces, like, and that's cathartic. I think it's important. And, and technically, he did die. We just, you know, he did. He just 
he he kill stole. He was a bitch till the end. Yeah, because because I was gonna because I was gonna the reason why, why why I had conflict with this was like once upon a time in Hollywood we kill Manson. I mean, well, we don't kill Manson, but we kill the people who would have committed the Manson murders. So we change history. But in this, we're like, we just killed him a different way. He still died, right? Right. <laughs> it, it brings up that joke about how, like, wait a minute, you know, if Hitler was the worst and the only person who could kill Hitler was Hitler, does that mean we have to have, be grateful to him? <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that took Hitler out, ultimately. Uh, all right. What else you got? Um, so I made note of some of the newer movies that I hadn't seen and that, like, I should watch at some point. And 1917... I took note of that. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk, which I saw a lot of trailers and stuff for. I did not watch it. Did not watch it. And then there's actually, uh, of interesting note, Netflix is coming out with All Quiet on the Western Front. I saw that that was available, which this, is a this, remake. This year, just, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, this year? Because we were just talking about how they don't do war movies. So a new one, I was like, that might be worth a watch. Okay, just so you know, I created another invite. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say we're going to have to jump. Thanks, Google. Yeah, let's just jump. Let's just jump to the next one. All right. That's so odd, right? They'll never know. They won't, even though I just named it Continue. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, that's shitty. I don't like that. Yeah, what it's is weird. like uh, is I gonna start charging now? You know, so now, I'm... now, do you think that they? Oh, but I was gonna. You know what? My mistake might have been that I um, that I only made this an hour call because in my calendar at work I made it an hour and a half, but this I only made an hour. So maybe I don't know because we never we we were always able to stay over before, and that thing specified that you only get an hour for group calls free yeah. wait is it a group call because you added a third member gabe i don't think it is i think it's a group once you have more than two that's a couple two's company three's a crowd what was that something i, I always remember this from from the simpsons too like um uh lisa lisa and i think i don't know if it was an episode or the movie she's like uh she said somebody asked her well that's a bunch of people he goes well a bunch is more than a few but no is it more than a couple but less than a few that's a bunch (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that is a perfect definition of a bunch more than a couple but less than a few (laughs) or even we've defined it or even backwards like what's a bunch more than a couple but less than a few you know, or uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know why. Like, I don't remember if it was from the movie or the episodes, but I'm like, I'm like, the way she said it was like, oh, that's more than a couple, but less than a few. <laughs> like she said it so, and I was like, oh my god, that's a perfect definition. Um, okay, so back to uh, Dunkirk. So yeah, I remember watching. Again, I might have watched Dunkirk because I think Tom Hardy's in that, right? I think he is. The only thing I know about Dunkirk is that they did that whole like uncut scene where the guy's walking through and it was like a, a, a no cut camera cuts. Yes. I, re- they... I remember that. Was that the Harry Styles scene? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's the two things I remember. I remember Tom Hardy having a dog fight 
and I remember that a hairstyles in it and that there's that long scene. And I, I want to say I watched it, but if I can't remember, dude, uh, I'm not saying it wasn't that great, but I'm not not saying it wasn't that great. Yeah, I, I'll watch it at some point. Again, like, I mean, anything that's World War II, I, can, I mean, it's pretty, it's just making the time to watch the movie is all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, um, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's weird. And, and you know, we're, we're, let me just make sure we segue. We're, we're done talking about movies. We're going to close it off with, with Marine Corps birthday talk. It is, um, it is interesting how we, we don't have any stock in the business, you know, like, um, but, but I think from everything we've talked about, uh, the Marine Corps creates something within all of us. Cause my brother was in the army. He was a tanker. He did two deployments to Kuwait. He does not do this. Like yeah. I've been wearing my dog tags for damn near 22 years. Exactly. Uh, for those not, not watching our live feed, <laughs> If there's anybody but us two watching it, hello NSA. <laughs> yes, for for the Patriot Act, uh, Gabe just showed his uh, his dog tags. Yeah, I've been wearing these near 22 years now. Um, it's 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 weird that we have no stock in this. We don't. There's no dividend. There's no like you know APR that we get from from promoting this um no referral bonuses none whatsoever and like i said my brother was in it uh, in the army and he does not do this at all and again he has every right to do so like to be a tanker dude and to to have two deployments to the border of kuwait and iraq and then get out right before we actually invade it's insane like he he does but he doesn't he doesn't have that same that same um the mentality is different it is it really is and i note that too cuz i have a buddy my my buddy i go with to the uh, gym with almost every morning um he's army prior army now national guard making a career out of it aren't they the and, same thing <laughs> well i mean i make the distinction just because technically it's the states militia and there's a different chain of command and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, they okay. Get, okay. Yeah, he's, it's funny because I always on Veterans Day, I'm always like, I think I tell him he's got a veterans plate on his truck. I'm like, Oof. he's an army veteran because he got out of the army, but he's yeah. So I'm always like, happy day, guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I have uh, he he's army and it's not the same. You know, nobody's nobody, you know, reaching out to say happy army birthday. The army has a birthday. The army official, you know, social media post about it as does the Navy, as does the Coast Guard. I guess the Space Force will now. Um, but they no, they don't have a ball. Like, they don't celebrate. I mean, maybe they do have a Do they have a ball? But I imagine nobody talks do. about it. Yeah, Nobody talks about it. It's not made a thing. I remember one of my, I'll tell you, uh, an iconic Marine birthday story that sticks with me. We had, I was in infantry school when, when uh, November 10th hit, and it happened to be the day that we did one of our hikes. They do those escalating hikes where it's like a five, ten. No, it's a. Is it a five, ten? I think it's ten, fifteen, twenty. I think the last one was twenty kilometers. No, it's. it's I don't remember which hike it, hike it was. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely in fives. And we had we did our hike. We got back, and when you get back, 
they make you, you're, I mean, I think it was one of the longer ones because we were all more miserable than usual. And when you get back, you got to like line up in the courtyard of the barracks, take, sit down, take your boots and socks off and have the corpsman check your feet. So like everybody sitting around. And meanwhile, the instructors are hustling off to do something else and they're being, they're being suspicious and they go and they run around and they bring out all the trays. There's steak and lobster to celebrate the Marine Corps birthday. Oh, yeah. And we're dirty, like we're dirty and sweaty and gross from walking 15 or 20. I don't remember which one it was kilometers with all our gear and nonsense. And before we're even done, like we're, we're like sitting there in our like bare feet and they're like bringing plates of food to us. And that's the difference <laughs> is that it's important enough that even in the midst of everything, your leaders are going to take the time to serve you. They did the hike too. They weren't, you know, this wasn't, you know, someone's got to check their feet, but it's that attitude. And it's important enough to mark the event. Like we care no matter what's happening, no matter where you are in service or out of service afterwards, Marines will celebrate their heritage. It's instilled. You know, I was in boot camp when, when, when the birthday came up and you're absolutely right. Chow that day was, was steak and lobster. <laughs> and, and definitely like we were allowed to take our time, which was not a thing before. And again, this is like a month into boot camp, and we're like, what is going on? And they did the cake cutting ceremony, and we were all a part of it as recruits. Um, and you're right, they instill that in us in a very early time where we, and again, I don't know why we take it with us or what they do correctly, but but it's um it's different. Again, I, I don't and not not again, not to to like shit on the Air Force or the Army or, or, or the Navy, but I don't see that same and again, I don't wanna call it pride because again, like I think we're all proud to serve. I think we're all proud okay. to serve. The the expression I think of and it used to be used in the advertisements, the pride of belonging. Mm-hmm. 100% accurate. That's what they instill. There's a pride of belonging to that. They they make you understand that this is not everybody. You're in a small group. Like, the Marine Corps as a whole gets what I think more elite units get in other branches. And I don't mean in the sense of what they do or training. I just mean in that esprit de corps. Like, that sense of I belong to this group that is special, that is unique. And there's so much there's emphasis on history the the boot camp period is the longest one of any branch so yep. you spend more time in development you incubate longer they leave you in the oven just a bit longer and <laughs> you come out with that mindset and with that you know your brain is changed by that experience you know and that... they, the focus on the 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 symbolism right like I, i'll never forget being handed my Eagle of an anchor. Uh, I'll never forget all of the. You're finally allowed to show your rank. You're finally allowed to to look like a marine instead of to look like a recruit. You can transition. You can unbutton your top button. You can blouse your boots. You can look like you're supposed to. You know, there's so much ritual involved. That um, again, Gabe, you're here. I'm here for the pop culture. You're here for the for the for the 
for the for those little golden nuggets and that's i think that's that's exactly what you just provided right now where there is definitely the and again i i want to simplify it and say the ritual of it but it the fact that we buy into it and that we continue to live up to it i think that's the difference and and look i i i remember getting out of boot camp right and I remember looking for a job and one of my, one of the guys in my unit, like helping me out and almost my job was almost guaranteed because I was being recommended by the guy in my unit, you know? And I remember my girlfriend at the time was like, that's impressive. Like you did not go to an interview. You went to an orientation and I was like, and that was my first experience. Like, this is me, you know, like fresh out of boot, like uh, looking for a work. Um, and then years later and, and, and for the rest of my life, anytime I update my CV, my, my, uh, my, my resume, the Marine Corps part never gets touched. Like, I'm like, that needs to be a part of this. And since then, like, it's just every, and again, in America, obviously, Everyone looks at you differently because that's in your resume and because of what you did. And, 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 and it just, again, they don't care. Like your, your CB and mine will look the same. We served. They don't care what we did. They care that we were in, you know, uh, and Marine, I don't know why it stands out. Carries, it, it does stand out too. And even though like we're in an era now where there's a lot of emphasis placed on honoring service which is good overall i think in general it's good um so it that wasn't always the case but people do have a certain though there's a separation when you have the marine corps versus whatever like people see that and they go oh they ask you about it the last time i did an interview uh which was years ago now like the last time i did a real interview um it, it it absolutely came up and it's exactly what you're talking about. Someone sees that, like they see your other stuff and they're like, Oh yeah, those are skills. You put things that relate to what you're trying to talk about or do. And they're like, Oh, this, tell me about this, <laughs> you know? And I think it just carries a certain weight because it was a choice you made. You know, nobody made you do that, that you picked that thing. And of the thing you picked service in general, you picked the Marine Corps, you picked this one and, and, that's all that'll never fail to be interesting to people and and let's let's talk about very quickly about that right gabe why did you pick that there's a it's a complicated if you want to um zoom far enough it's a very complicated overall i i think uh, i'm a I'm, I'm a youngest child um only of two but i'm a i'm the baby um, I think there was a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I felt felt like if I was going to be in the military, I wanted to do the one that was objectively the most difficult and selective um, just for your base level. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do in there, um, but I, I felt like I, I should pick the hardest road to hoe, which in retrospect is really dumb, but um, <laughs> at the time it made a lot of sense. Um, my best friend in high school uh, uh, he was older than me uh, by a few years. He enlisted in the Marine Corps, which helped solidify that because I got to witness some of these things firsthand. And um, 
so that kind of helped me narrow the field down to knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Because service had been like military had been on the horizon for a long time. And much like all of my life and my career, I've never known exactly what I want to do. And I kind of just end up doing things. Um, but that helped me narrow it down. And that was the, I honestly will say that once I made that decision, the Marine Corps was the one time in my adult life where I picked a thing and put all my effort into it and, and achieved the thing. And it was, I, I, I knew exactly what I wanted and I got it. Yeah. That's, and, and you know, and, 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 and the counterpart to that is my story, right? Immigrant to the United States, no loyalty, no foundation, no roots in the United States. But I remember my very close friend in high school was looking into military service because he did not know what he wanted to do. And and look, I'll tell you right now, like as a Latino, as an immigrant in the United States, your options after high school, I mean, they're they're limited to none. Like you are at a fast food place. And and all my brothers, you know, with the exception of my younger brother, are a product of that. And uh, when my friend went in to talk, and this was us at 17, you know, like, I went with him. Like, he wanted somebody to go with him. And I listened, and I was like, okay. And my buddy was in, like he was already set because, but he had a different reasons, right? He had a, he was, he, he was a second generation American, um, Latino, but second generation, like he did not have, he had options. Like his mother had tried very hard for him to have options. He had options, but he wanted to, to differentiate, differentiate himself from, from the rest. Make your own path. Yeah. And I went and I listened and I did all that. And, um. And I went back and I kept talking to the recruiter um, because I I knew what I had ahead of me, but I also knew what I didn't want. And everything that was ahead of me, I did not want. I didn't want to be a mechanic. I didn't want to be a landscaper. And look, these are stereotypes. These are blah, blah, blah. No, no. That's the fucking reality of things. When you're, There's a reason the stereotypes yeah, exist. There, For me, there were. Like, I had literally just become legal in 1997, and I was graduating, or 96, I think. And I was graduating high school in 98. Like, my options were insanely limited, okay? No counselor was talking to me about college or anything, even community college. Jesus. So, no, like, the reality is that's it. Like, so I knew what I didn't want. And it was almost like I need to buy time. But of all the branches, they didn't stand out. They did not. Something was different about the Marine Corps. And my buddy helped me find that. And me realizing, like, yeah, there's a there's a reason. And even when I signed up, there were it was like it was like I why would I go into the Marine Corps and, and sit behind a desk and be admin? This is the Marine Corps. Like, who chooses to be admin? Like, my recruiter was just like, so you don't... I'm like, no, no, man. Um, But it was one of those things, you know? My same thought process of what do Marines do? They fight. I guess, I I mean, that's what you should do, right? Like, if the Marines were well-known for being the best at admin, I would have gone admin because that would have been the most Marine thing you could do. I went in on an open infantry contract. 
But yeah, but it, that's the thing, though. If, I feel like if I had joined the Navy, I'm like, well, I'm going to be in a ship, right? Like, that makes sense to be me. the best sailor. That's, <laughs> I'm going to be the best sailor because that's what, that's what Navy seamen do. Um, but you know what, though? Like, let's be honest. Like, the first year in the Marine Corps, I it was not what I expected. I, I had built up a fantasy of what I thought Marines stood for. And the reality is, no, we're all human beings. And when you get there, just like what we talked about, human beings will do what human beings do. And and I was incredibly let down and everything like that. But something happened in there where I was where I got good at what I needed to be good at. And recognition came and it became easier for me to do that. And and um, and I think that's that was the the game changer for me when I realized, oh, okay, the Marine Corps does not care about your background. It does not care about how you feel. But if you perform the way you're supposed to, you're fine. And I think that that is something that I've carried on since where I'm like, I look at people now and I'm like, I don't really care what drove you here or what's keeping you here. But if you're doing what you're supposed to, I'm incredibly happy with you and I will do everything I can to continue to make keep you happy as long as you continue to do the things you do as you promised you would do. Uh, which is a weird, it's a, again, it's a weird segue, but, um, but yeah, no, no, like it's one of those things where like, I think that's what it instilled in me. It was like, you are going to do the best you can at what we train you to do. But anything outside of that, you're on your own. And it's it's true. Like, we're like, we're going to make you a really great infantryman and we're going to make you a really great mortarman. Whatever you do with those things, it's completely up to you. <laughs> like, if you want to be mediocre, if you want to be like, terrible, if you want to be an uh, ammo man, great. But if but if you want to be a gunner or an A-gunner, you have every capability. We will get you there. It's where you want to be. And that's why, like, in the Marine Corps, you it definitely feels like the people who do the jobs feel good about the jobs that they're doing because it's almost like a... It's almost like they chose them. It wasn't chosen for them. And I feel like the other branches don't have that. That pride of like, I love what I do is very singular to the Marine Corps. It's it's a weird thing to say, but you're like, we have really good ammo man and really good gunners and A-gunners, but we also have really good, like, you know, motor T guys. Because they really want to do that. And they were given the opportunity to do that. And they were excellent at it. And they don't want to fire guns. They don't want to make explosions. They don't want to get the longest, you know, like, uh, bullseye. They're perfectly complacent with that. And you're like, fuck yes. You're the best at what you fucking do within the core. And you are excelling at it. And you are being recognized for it. And we don't want you to go... From this to that other thing that you don't want to do. Because we have plenty of people who want to be infantry. And we have open contract infantry. And we have plenty of people people. who want to be motor (laughs) T. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the difference. Like, I think that you own your position because it was given to you almost at an option. Maybe. I don't know. This is like a little little therapy session of, like, how we ended up with our MOS. (laughs) Well, it's funny, too, because they never let us forget how many people supported us. I remember a very weird, um, I can't remember. It couldn't have been, it might, 
it might have been a liberty speech or something they were giving us you know the safety briefing and because it was you know it was the first sergeant out there talking to us about everything and he was talking about how he gave us the math at the time he said like marine corps like at the time i want to say it was like two hundred twenty-five thousand strong he's like how many you think are infantry you know and we're all just sitting there like i don't counting like who's over there in the bleachers uh <laughs> and he said like uh he says like like twenty thousand. jesus he's like you know we've got you know there's people in tanks and planes so you know there's other combat he's like but each of you there's eight people that have to do their job to put you where you need to be you know there's supply there's logistics there's transport you know there's all these people that are putting in the effort to enable you to do your job. And that's why you need to focus and pay attention and be good at what you do because everything is in service and support of you. You know, so it was sort of a pick me up is like, look how special we are, which, you know, <laughs> in, in combat arms, we have to feel special because otherwise, why would we do it? Um, something to prove and feeling special. But it was also sort of a, you know, sit there and think about like, damn, you know, we're, we're literally the reason all these other people are doing what they're doing. They're there to facilitate the job we do. That's a good one. Yeah. So, listeners, wonderful, beautiful listeners that go through this every week with us, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to share this with you. Because we would have done it anyway. Obviously, we have to remind you. We would have done it anyway. But we're glad you're here with us. And tonight, I am drinking soju. Uh, in order to keep it light, in order to be able to continue, keep my job and be able to afford all this uh, gear to be able to do this podcast every week. Gabe, what are you drinking? Well, this morning, I am drinking Jameson uh, cold brew so I can pretend I'm being responsible and having coffee. Quit quit bragging, Gabe. Um I'm also drinking a very local drink here because it's uh, late for me. It's called a long drink, and it's basically, I don't know how to describe long drink. It's It was created for the 1950s Olympics, and it just stuck around. This one happens to have brandy in it. Anyway. All right. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, ultimately, I want to say thank you, Gabe, because this is exactly how my day needed to go. Likewise. Yeah. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week with 1981, probably. Oh, no, sorry, 82? 81, right? No, 81. 81. See you next week. All right, I'm going to need to...